0: We, the purpose in our calls is to add value to everybody, to whatever you time you invest in these calls, you learn something that's going to uh, make, excuse me, make you more effective. And I've been hearing a lot of people um, not having, uh, being stood up when they get to the appointment, or it just, it could go better, but I feel like if we posture this whole thing better when we're setting our appointments, it's going to not only make, Uh, more people home for you to see when you get there, but it's also going to make you more effective when you get there. And one of the things that I've used, and I've had this conversation with people about using the yellow card and uh, when something goes, when the – Train falls off the tracks. I said, Well, did you send a yellow card? Well, no. And then they've got a list of reasons for not doing as long as your arm. Guys, that is a mistake. And let me explain to you why I feel so strongly of the, about that. The yellow card allows you to posture exactly what you want the client to think about you. And if you don't use it, then it's not a big deal when you get there and they're not there because. You know, getting this taken care of wasn't, wasn't as big a deal as you could have made it. And uh, what the posturing is all about, you want the client to realize you're always busy. And uh, Saturday I set two appointments, and, and I think it's great that I'm working the phones, you know, in addition to helping you, but I'm also working the phones for myself, getting back in, in front of people. But I set two appointments on Saturday uh, for Monday. And obviously, I could not send out the yellow card in time for them to get it for a Monday appointment, so do you think then maybe well maybe I shouldn't use the yellow card script, and I'm going to go through what that is in just a minute. No, I used the yellow card script as if it was as if they were going to get it and put it on the refrigerator and uh And this is the way I did it i you know um, now, Mary normally. I would send out a yellow card for you to put on the refrigerator as a reminder because every week I have people who want to see me that I don't have openings for. And if this time for some reason doesn't work for you, that allows me to put somebody else in your place. And I use that on both of my Monday appointments. Well, what happened? Well, both people had something come up. Uh, the first lady was sick. She called me first thing Monday morning and says, Dick, I hate to do this to you, but I feel awful. And you could tell from her voice she was a mess. And she said, "I one, I don't want you to get sick, but two, I'm too sick to have anybody in the house. And she said, I didn't want to take a chance on somebody else being able to use my appointment time and me not letting you know soon enough. She said, I feel like I'll be feeling better by Wednesday. Do you have any times on Wednesday? I said, no, but I can see you Thursday at six o'clock. I'll take it. So see, she recognized the fact we're busy. A lot of people are doing this. I'm going to see somebody, but I wasn't desperate to see her. And she wanted to make sure her time slot was not wasted by her not being there or not answering the door when I got there. Guys, the posturing worked. The next client was a 74-year-old male, and I was supposed to call on Monday midday to get some more information to do a quote for another family member. And his comment was, I am so thankful you remember to call me. Here's the information. But he said, something's come up I didn't realize for my granddaughter tonight. I can't meet with you. Can you see me on Wednesday? And I said, no, I'm booked solid on Wednesday, which I am. I said, but I've got a 4 and an 8 o'clock open on Wednesday or on Thursday. He said, I'll take that 4 o'clock. Booked it immediately. Now, in these two situations, had I not used the yellow card presentation, I would have gotten to the first house. She would have said, I'm too sick to see you. I might or might not have rescheduled her, but because the posturing were right, Both of them, the first thing they want to do was reschedule that appointment. Now, we're missing sales guys because people are not using the leverage of the yellow card. Now, I did send out seven yellow cards to the others, and Monday I set three more appointments. I sent all three of them a yellow card, and some of the appointments are for this week and some of them are for next week. But everybody's got the yellow card, and they understand a lot of people are doing this and it is important to them.
1: And what might you
0: expect to see when you get there, Dick? I'll see that yellow card either on the refrigerator or laying on the table right where it's supposed to be because that's it's doing what it's supposed to do, reminding them of the appointment. And uh, so, you know, understanding the concept of this, first off, I guess i got to sell you. You know, why is this important? And then you got to sell the client. But if you will use it, I'm just telling you, If you increase, now see, last week I expect or anticipate 20% of my clients for something to come up, and that's exactly what I ran into. Of the appointments I set, 20% of them, something came up. But because of the yellow card, I was able to reconvert them to an even better prospect because now they understand the value and the, the business we have.
1: You know, I've had several agents. Uh, say to me this week that they have a difficulty setting their appointments uh, 48 hours out, and that, it, that is always a difficulty. But think about the power of this uh, leveraging of the yellow card. 48 hours out, you're not going to send it, okay? But you are going to say exactly what he just went over about, you know, normally I would send a card, but You know, you want to go
0: over that one more time? Normally, Mary, I would send a little yellow card out as a reminder to put – now, listen to the cadence. Normally, Mary, I would send a little yellow card out as a reminder to put on the refrigerator because if for some reason this time doesn't work, I have eight or ten people every week who want to see me that I don't have openings for. And if for some reason this time doesn't work for you, if I know soon enough – I can put one of them in your place. Now, what did I just say there? I said, a lot of people are doing this. Um, We are busy. I'm going to see somebody at 6 o'clock on Tuesday or Monday, whenever it is, but I'm not desperate to see you. And those four points are very subtle, but they're very important because, you know, who wants to do business with somebody that has the whole week open? You know, oh, my gosh, this guy's desperate to see me. They're just going to high-pressure me into something. Some guy made the comment to me the other night. He says, I don't have time to stay here with you for three hours. I said, sir, you will never earn the right to get three hours of my time. I am too busy. I said, you're going to get 30 minutes, maybe 45 at the most, because I've got too many people to see. And it took him back, and I booked the appointment. I mean, it really set him back like, oh, my gosh you know, uh, and and nobody does. Now, am am I ever going to spend three hours in somebody's house trying to close them? Of course I am, you know, if that's what it takes to do it. But I'm not going to go in there with the attitude and the thought that I'm going to go in there for three hours. And uh, And just having that posturing with that guy made all the difference in the world. So I'm hoping you will take this to heart. I'm hoping you'll go back and you'll listen to this over and over and over again. In fact, I think maybe we should do a uh, a pod, not a podcast, but a video and put it on GroupMe on just how to do that because it just takes three or four minutes and we can put that on there for you and you can learn how to do it yourself. Um, the other thing that happened this week, and I've had some great sessions with agents strategizing cases. This idea of knowing before you go is huge and it's really helping our agents a lot. Um, this past week, Darren Willis, Um, called me from, uh, he's in the Atlanta area. And Darren, for those of you that don't know, when he started with Equus a couple of years ago, all he wanted to earn was $2,500 a month so he could send his kids to private school. And he already had his license. He had worked with Primerica and uh, never made any money with them, but decided when it came time for the kids to go to private school, he had to figure out a way to make another $2,500 a month The first three days in the field with Equus, because of leads, he earned $2,750, and it blew him away. And he went back to his manager, and he said, hey, was this a fluke, or is this normal? And the manager, with wisdom, I said, well, what did you do to earn the $2,750? And he said, well, I bought a couple of hundred dollars worth of B&C leads. I made 200 dials and I set 10 appointments, and I wrote $2,750 in premium. And his manager said, if you will continue doing that, you'll make $2,500 a week. So sure enough, that's what he continued doing. They not only put their kids into private school, they got completely out of debt except for their mortgage, and now they're attacking the mortgage on this. And uh, Darren, His first year made I think eighty-six thousand dollars with the company, and now he's on track to do about one hundred and fifty a year. Has a great full-time job uh, with the state of Georgia, and his daughter, his wife, has a great full-time job with them too. They make very good money, but his son, at age thirteen, was one of the top one hundred baseball player picks in the country, and his daughter was an equally gifted gymnast. So they had. All their spare money was spent doing traveling baseball and traveling gymnastics, so this really fit in for them. He called me last week and said, would you mind being on one of my calls for my team? So last night we did that. And uh, what we found out, they are very successful, but uh, they use about a third of the number of leads most everybody else does because Darren has taught them uh, to get referrals. And... But even with the referrals, what they found is they were running into this. These people didn't have an event because they just, you know, they hadn't had a mortgage. They didn't have anything along that line. So they're trying to find a way to sell them life insurance, and they were running into the same thing you guys are. Well, I don't need any life insurance. I have it at work. Or I really don't need mortgage protection. I have enough life insurance already. So what I, I went through with them last night, I said, well, let's change this and not look to sell them life insurance and not look to sell them mortgage protection. Let's take a look and see if they've got foreclosure protection. And it got kind of quiet on the phone because they didn't know where I was going with that. And I said, you've got to understand something. People understand death, but it's not going to happen to them. They're really not getting up worried about that. But people also, they do understand foreclosure, and that's something that's hanging over everybody's head. Sometimes it's due to losing your job. We can't help that. But a lot of times it's due to a sickness, and they know if that happens, there's not much they can do. And and, and that's the dark cloud that bother a lot of people. So I said, what we need to do is we need to expose the pain of what that foreclosure protection looks like and the pain without it. So we went over a, a couple of real nice, uh, real life situations. I said, how do you expose the pain? Well, you do it through questions. And I said, the first question I usually ask is, the foreclosure protection, I said, protects people if they can't work. I said, let me ask you a question. If you had a sickness, cancer, stroke, or heart attack that didn't kill you, but you couldn't work for six months to a year, without a paycheck for six months to a year, how would you make your mortgage payment? How would you pay your life bill? Who's going to buy you groceries? And when we opened it up for questions, these really struck a chord with them because this gave them the link they needed with these referrals to really drive home the point. And See, many people lose their battle with their disease because the battle of finances is weighing too heavily on them. And if we could show you a solution where if you had cancer and couldn't work for a year, you wouldn't lose your house and you had a fighting chance of winning the disease battle, would you be interested? Well, how are you going to answer that but anything but Yes. Because now, and once they answer yes, they've acknowledged that that's a concern that they have. And so we expose the pain and the potential loss through this series of questions. I said, another question is, I said, if you don't come home because of a car wreck or a heart attack, neither does your paycheck. I said, Mary, I said, how would your wife be able to make the mortgage payment? And And the answer is usually, well, she couldn't. Well, don't stop there. Don't be that deer in the headlights. Follow up with a second question. Well, John, how do you feel about that, Mary, losing the house? Well, not good. Well, Mary, And then go another question. Mary, where would you have to go live if you lost your home due to foreclosure? Well, I'd have to live with my sister my brother or I'd have to live with the kids. Would that be your choice or just your only option? See, guys, when we go through it this way, one step after the other, now now you can ask three or four disturbing questions. Don't go any beyond that because once you ask that fifth question, you're starting to irritate them, and anything beyond that irritates them more. So once you've established there's a pain factor here that they don't want to have happen, that's when you come up with a solution. Well, if I could show you a way where we could make sure Mary got to stay in the house, even if you were battling something and possibly uh, give you the finances to live on while you're battling your diseases and increasing your chance of beating the disease, would you be interested in something like that? Well, yes. If you ask the question right, you're going to get a yes answer. Um So those are the ways we went through last night. I shared with them on people who have not had an event, but people in the grocery store, people that you know that you can ask those questions and raise to their awareness level an opportunity in a way of uh, protecting their family. Another way we can do it, um, if I could protect your family from a financial disaster like what we just talked about, and give all your premiums, give all your money back at the end, and allow you to acquire a zero-cost foreclosure protection plan, would you be interested in something like that? What am I talking about? Well, we're talking, obviously, about return of premium. Now, you don't say that, guys, to a 74-year-old, because we can't do that. But you use that for somebody 50 and under, because we can offer them return of premium. Now, can they afford return of premium? I don't know. And frankly, that's not my problem. That's not my, it's not that I don't care, but that's not my problem. Why do I do that? Well, because it changes the playing field. See, it's what's important and protecting the family from, from something you know, that they normally would not be able to have protection for. So when I show them return of premium, if they can't afford it, we can always drop back to a plan that has foreclosure protection. So now it becomes a question of which one with money back and a zero-cost plan or without money back. It's not, because if you only give – and, guys, it's driving me crazy with some of the calls I'm getting because I'm asking the agents. All right, so you've got a 29-year-old. What are you showing them? Well, I think this one would be good for money back for 30 years. And that's all they're going out and showing them. And that is such a mistake, you're missing the point. You give them choices so it becomes a, 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 an option of which one rather than yes or no. See, nobody likes to say yes because they feel like they're being sold something. But if you give them choices and they pick one, now they feel like they've participated in the process. So whenever you're showing somebody, I don't care if all they qualify for is a 20-year return of premium and for the amount of coverage that they want, it's $1,100 a month. Do I show it to them? Yes, because the $300 a month without return of premium looked really expensive until they looked at that $1,100 a month with. So now the $300 looks like it's feasible. Now what have we established here? $300 $300 is still a little high. Maybe we need to reduce the face down a little bit, but we get them thinking in terms of finding a solution to the problem rather than saying no, because no is always the easiest and what in their mind looks like the safest way out. Because they haven't committed anything, they still have time. And that's not the goal here. Now, is, is one sale is that sale of two or three or a hundred dollars this week going to make or break our life? No, probably not. For a brand new agent, it might be the difference between making it and not making it in our industry. But stop and think about it. If that family has something that bad happens, that could be a huge different changer in their life. see See guys, them getting mortgage protection should be more important to them than it is you or I. The fact that we help them get it is why it's important to us the commission is secondary. And some of our new agents have already that have been with us less than three months have already come to me and said, you know what, the commission is secondary already because I see how important it is for people. Um, see, we can do the same thing with orphan benefits. You know, when we're talking, uh, this really resonated with the people last night because they're dealing with so many people that don't have uh, a new mortgage and they're looking for a way of connecting with them. But when you stop and think about, you know, uh, with orphan benefits, anytime we have somebody with children um, asking the question, you know, you guys have got three kids. If something happens, the two of you, what are the chances of your kids going either to college or to trade school? or cosmetology school, well, probably not very good. If we could show you a way that would give them a plan that would ensure the fact that they at least got a chance to go to school and have the first couple years paid for, would that be important to you? Well, yeah. Well, see, these are some of the questions we can lead people through that are extremely important to our clients, and I think a lot of us are missing because we haven't sat down and practiced. Um, some of you have been on this call for a while remember when Connie and I were dating. She was going to Ohio State. I was in Cincinnati at Xavier University. It was a two-hour drive to Columbus. And in the dead of winter, I would practice. We didn't have XM radio then, so you kept losing radio stations. So rather than fiddle with the radio the whole time, I would practice overcoming objections for two hours. And I got pretty good at it. Well, that's what we ought to be doing here. Uh, whenever you come up with an objection, make a list. How many are there? Five, six, not even ten. I mean, our clients aren't good enough to come up with ten objections. So if you figure out the four or five you get the most, and then start working on overcoming that objection. And uh and and get good at it and do it in such a way that they don't feel like it's a canned pitch, but learn to use your voice, stand in front of a mirror, look at the expressions on your face. I mean, I, right now, I know what I look like and I'm, uh, and I'm expressing what I'm sharing to you, not only through my voice, but through my facial expressions. I did that for hours. And these are some of the things we can do to get better at what we do. Um, One of the questions last night at the end of the session, that uh, in fact it was the first question, somebody says, "Well, Dick, you know you have been successful at this. You know what would one thing that if you were starting over again that you would do differently?" And and the first thing out of my mouth was, "Start my personal development sooner." Uh, I did start reading sales books right away because I was doing a sales meeting every week, and I had to be prepared for it. So I wanted to come up with something new that I could add value to that call. But the personal development side of that was a couple or three years later, and I wish I'd have started that sooner. I think it would have made a lot of difference in leadership skills early on. It would have made a lot of difference in my communication skills early on. There just were things that we could do. And I'm hoping some of these things we've shared with you today will impact you and make a difference in your career and help
1: you get started sooner as well. You know, after the call last night, Dick came and asked me that question, Uh, asked me what I think we should have done differently in the very beginning. And my immediate response was save, 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 and save. And if I didn't say it enough, write it down in big letters. Uh, You know, you're going to be paying your own taxes. You're going to be paying your own uh, health care. If you're full-time with us, you're going to be doing a lot of your retirement savings. So make certain that portions of that, those cha-chings that go into your bank account, make certain that uh, a good portion of those are moved over into a savings vehicle. Can't say it enough. You
0: know, Connie, I couldn't agree more. And uh, every deposit that goes into our account, guys, we need to learn to save ourselves first. (coughs) Anything that you study or read about preparing for retirement is first thing is obviously you got to pay your taxes but as soon as your taxes are paid pay yourself first and um, paying yourself first I don't mean saving if you get a check for two thousand dollars saving a thousand of it you know you've got to have a reward for the work you've put in but if you will take and save ten percent initially and make that a rule and then you know what your your expenses are say your expenses are $3,000 a month, and you get to the point that you're putting into your account five or $6,000 a month, save the 10%, and then save 25% of everything in excess. And that will make all the difference in the world for you and your career with us.
1: All right. Um, I...